0: The tradition,
1: aster, nasturtium, delphinium. We thought fingers in dirt meant it was our dirt. Learning names in heat, in elements classical philosophers said could change us. Stargazer, foxglove. Summer seemed to bloom against the will of the sun which news reports claimed flamed hotter on this planet than when our dead fathers wiped sweat from their necks. Cosmos. Baby's breath. Men like me and my brothers filmed what we planted for proof we existed before too late. Sped the video to see blossoms brought in seconds. Colors you expect in poems where the world ends. Everything cut down. John Crawford, Eric Gardner,
0: Mike Brown,
1: Jericho Brown. Welcome to another episode of Beyond the Spark. I'm going to be your host. I'm always your host. I'm Raya, Raya Sunshine Carmen, and I'm so excited. Uh, I had the wonderful pleasure of meeting this young man years ago and have been able to see him perform. So I want to tell you guys a little bit about my artist for today. I am here with Douglas Powell slash Roscoe Burnham's and yes, you should say the slash and he is the very first poet laureate of Richmond, Virginia. He has dedicated his work to educating and uplifting. Roscoe is an award winning slam poet and published author. Offstage, he teaches youth how to use performance poetry as a therapeutic process y'all that's a short bio there's so much more we're gonna cover it because he is so dope what's up Roscoe?
0: hey how are you
1: i am I'm, I'm doing great just just uh really happy to be here trying to make sure you know i uh continue Giving the audience what they want, which is to hear from dope artists and to see the humanity in those dope artists. So I got you here. I know that you are a comedian and a poet. And you just do everything. So so what's been I, going I on in your getting, world?
0: I'm still getting used to uh attaching comedian to my my list of things, right? I'm I'm so used to being like poet and educator. Um, but I've been, I've been dabbling in and out of comedy and I've been fusing it a lot with my, um, performances on stage, um, for a long time actually, but never, never really felt comfortable actually saying, yes, I am a poet and comedian. So that is something that I'm, um, I'm now saying more often, but it still feels weird. It still feels weird to say it.
1: Yeah. And you're a new, you're a new father. Not like new, like you've been a father for a while, but you have a new baby too. Yeah, I'm an old father. You're an old father with a new baby.
0: Right. Yeah, I'm old father. New journey. Old father.
1: All right. Right. I love seeing the pictures of you interacting with a beautiful, beautiful baby.
0: I'm glad. I'm glad you love it. I love it too. My knees are not excited. <laughs> they know that at some point this baby's gonna start walking.
1: Hey, hey. And, it's and then you got to chase they, it. And then they run. They, right. You they normally they go from around. like crawling to running. I I feel like we skip over the walk. Yeah, yeah it don't
0: happen on no more. this generation now. They don't believe in walking. It's instant gratification. We in the technological <laughs> era. They got to get up and they got to start running quickly.
1: Yeah, they just go straight for crawling and then they're running. I don't, I don't know. It's it's good. I, I remember when my boys were that age, and do not envy you going through that process again. Not
0: Thank enough. you. That's a very honest parent answer. Everybody <laughs> else is like, oh, children are a blessing and they a gift mm-hmm. from God. And I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, that's fine.
1: Yeah, they they but are a blessing say- and a gift from God, but I'm not doing that again. I, but you I don't, don't want to do it again,
0: all right? That's a gift that you do once, twice. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. It's all only, these- you know, it's, like, it's only because uh, I'm excited. It's, you know, every kid is, is different. All, I'm, I love seeing, I love watching the human experience as an observer. And that's kind of what you get with parenting, right? But wow. like this, my kid, my, my first kid is 16. <laughs> and then my next one is six. Mm. And now this one is fresh out.
1: Yes.
0: <laughs> so and a, it's, and a
1: little girl, right? Little girl.
0: Yes. Yeah, so and now I have two daughters. And then the middle child is my son. I'm so sorry, son. I'm so sorry. I put you right in the middle.
1: Yeah, he's sandwiched. <laughs> well, that just means you have to have another boy. That's all.
0: No, that's not what it means. <laughs> I reviewed that. We we're going to strike that from the record there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that is not the way this goes.
0: Mm-mm, fix that and edit it. We're putting that out there into the universe.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, my son came to me and he, he, was, he was like, Mom, I want a sister. And I was like, go ask somebody else this is, this is not, this, better, is so better not this is not where that happens <laughs> not anymore <laughs> no no we ain't doing that so so tell me uh what's your first memory of being a poet writing poetry poetry what's your first memory of that
0: <clears throat> um uh, my first memory of writing poetry i mean i was young um I think I probably fell in love with poetry probably around the same time that that most of us do really um you know as kids or you you pick it up in school or <coughs> excuse me as a kid you know you pick it up in school and um and then you start kind of writing your own and you know you know you hear about all the greats or whatever you, you know and what's it Whitman and uh you know Ye- Yeats Yeats Yeet um uh, you know, Poe and, you know, then um, black, during Black History Month, you learn about the only two Black poets we know, which is Langston Hughes and Maya Angelou, because uh, they're the only ones that exist, apparently. Oh, wow. um, you know, that's how, that's how it goes, you know what I mean? So that's that's kind of where it started. And then, um, but I was, I was, I know people would like to, I think people often would like to imagine that it was poetry that got me into poetry, but it actually wasn't poetry that got me into poetry. Wow, it was okay. music. It was music that got me into poetry. Yeah. Um, I wanted to be a songwriter. I was writing lyrics, and you know, I came from a, like a gospel family, and they were singing all the time. Rehearsals happened at my grandma's house, you know, uh, you know every Saturday, and so, uh, you know, I grew up hearing that and, and watching them write their own songs, and so um, I wanted to be in in that in that space. Uh, and so that's kind of what led me into poetry was just the songwriting aspect and then finding out that you could do this without the music. Oh. So gospel and hip hop is what later, like, it's what brought me into poetry.
1: Okay, um, okay.
0: and so, um, but then I, you know, but then I found poetry, I found, you know, other authors and, you know, Gil Scott Heron and Langston Hughes and Maya Angelou and, um, Baldwin and. You know, I, found, I stumbled across these artists, these artists later, and then um, and just kind of fell in love with the with the written word in that way as well as music and and comedy because it was all storytelling for me. Like I loved story, like good storytelling. I was an avid reader, um, anything I can get my hands on, and uh, and so yeah, that's where the that's where, um, that's where the spark took place.
1: I love it. I love it. That's 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 what it's all about. Like, uh, I I think that my story was a little different. I went to a predominantly black private school early on in my educational career. So all we had to learn about were the black authors and black poets. So I was like steeped in all that good, good yeah but, definitely you know, black poetry and so that's what i grew up loving and then once i left that school and went to a predominantly white that's when i started learning about ee e. cummings and uh you know uh elizabeth barrett browning and all yeah. of them and so i was like okay i see all of the different dynamics of poetry and i just love it i was like And nine years old when I started performing. I did James Weldon Johnson's The Creation at my church and and turned it into this big choreo poem. Of course, it wasn't called a choreo poem way back then. Right. Yeah, I did a big choreo poem and loved it and knew that it was going to be somewhere in my life, just never knew at this level. You know, I, I posted earlier today I was like, if you had asked me 22 years ago, if I would be in a room full of like the most influential people in my city performing a poem, my answer would have been no, like this is just a hobby. This is not something that I really think people even wanna hear more or less, you know, give me a title for it. But uh, you, you are also the poet laureate of your city. Yes. Until 2023.
0: Yes, until April.
1: So, how does that feel for you? How does it? Did you ever see yourself on this journey?
0: I um I had poet laureate on my vision board, so <laughs> yeah. Uh, shouts out to vision boards, man. They are <laughs> they they don't get enough credit because yeah. everything that um that I've uh, almost I'll say about eighty percent of everything that I've wanted to achieve, I put it on my vision board first. Mm -hmm. uh and i i i I even tell you how it started i had a dresser and the mirror had broke right so i didn't have the dresser mirror combo anymore so in that space where the mirror used to be i would attach pictures and like little sticky notes and whatever just things i wanted to get done things i wanted to accomplish over time um and i was able to knock off more than half of that in like a few years and then every time i would reach a new goal i take it off put something new up there you know what i'm saying yeah, and I just continued this process, and so I I, I say about now about seventy five percent, eighty percent of everything that I've wanted to accomplish that's been on my vision board, I've been able to do, that's even crazy. things that I didn't know like how they were going to get done because there was no position, there was no poet laureate position in my city, and so I was like, well, maybe I should try for the state laureate or something like that, but I didn't even know what the um what the process for that was, right? And so I was like, well, I'll I'll figure it out, but it was kind of in the back of my mind, and I didn't I didn't give it another conscious thought, even though I knew it was something I wanted to check off. Um, and then I had friends, you know what I'm saying, like who were becoming poet laureates in their city and, you know, whatever. And so I'm like, man, what's, you know, what's this, you know, I wonder if there's a way to get this down here to Richmond. And um, and then a, a, a lady called me and she had, um, she said, hey, Richmond's thinking about creating a poet laureate position and we would like you to be on the board, the committee for putting that together. And I said, uh, I mean, cool, but if I'm on the committee, can I apply? She's like, well, no, you can't apply for it if you're on a committee. And I was like, well, then I, I'm not going to be on the committee, at least not this year. Um, And so she was like, you know, understandable or whatever. And so, you know, they went out and they, uh, they reached out to some people to to help kind of put it together. And I, I threw my hat in the ring. And, you know, the rest is history.
1: Wow. Okay. Yeah. I, I Mine... I think it was I uh, I think one of my mentors is the one who said you have to put things into the atmosphere in order for them to happen. So kind of like that vision board idea. Yeah. And so when it happened, when they created the position, um I was not published at the time, and that was one of the you know stipulations and I, right. and I so I didn't think it was ever going to happen. Because, you know, as a spoken word po- poet, our number one focus is not ever to be published. Like, we like being on the mic, you know? Right. And so um, when my mentor was the second poet laureate of my city, and she was like, you're next, you're next. And I was like, yeah, no, I'm not, because <laughs> I don't have, you know, the requirements. She's like, no, i am right. gonna make sure they change that just for you. And she did. You know, so she she made sure that uh, I didn't even have to be published in order to be the third poet laureate, and I was able to be published immediately after just because I was poet laureate. So that's oh nice, yeah. So, it so was pretty awesome.
0: I feel like um, because this had been a goal for me, I, I feel like there had been some things in uh, in my career that were kind of prepping me for this. And so mm-hmm. you're right, publishing wasn't really at the top of my. Uh, to-do list, honestly, Um, you know, I had put together some albums and I was doing all these live shows because that's what I love. I I love being on the stage and uh, being in front of an audience. And uh, but the game was changing. You know, I mean, I came from a time period where putting together a poetry CD um, was the thing. Right. And you burn the CDs in your your kitchen and you got to, you know, and you write on them with a marker Mm -hmm. and then you go out and try to sell these CDs. And uh, the game was changing. And so it was like, you know, people were putting out books and, you know, and you know, I was like, dang, well, I, you know, I don't know if what I do even works well on the page. You know what I mean? I right. have really doubted myself. And it was, it was, and then there was no crossover in the, in Richmond. So like, if you were a, a page poet mm-hmm. then you were, you were at these readings and these, you know, these events over here. But if you were doing spoken word, you were probably over here somewhere. And, the, and the two, the two didn't really. was no there was no intersectionality there there was no you know camaraderie no nothing wow um and so even finding direction with that was challenging so uh fast forward to oh man i don't even remember what year it was but um the watering hole was a was a thing right the watering Mm hole um writers fellowship for you know for writers of color and uh, i had a, a friend at the time and a mentor who was like you need to apply you need to apply Uh, And didn't really feel comfortable because I thought it geared towards, like, academia, right? It was more Mm -hmm. of people who lend themselves to MFA programs and want to put out books and blah, blah, blah. So I was like, I don't know, I don't know. Uh, And I ended up doing it. I ended up getting in. Um, I ended up doing all three years and became a graduate. And it was the toughest three years of my life, all three retreats. But I gained a community in Mm -hmm. that. And I gained a little more confidence in my Uh, ability to write. Mm. um and 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 it existing on page and still having the same impact yeah um while this was happening i've been in a few different arguments and debates with poets here in richmond about essentially the differences between poetry and spoken word and um essentially them saying that like spoken word wasn't like poetry in its And it's true, you know, in this more traditional form, or at its core, or whatever. And I'm like, well, I say that's not true. Like at the end of the day, I have to write. I write what I what I say first. You know what I mean? I'm a writer first. I just happen to bring it to a stage. And I was like, the charisma
1: to make it happen, yeah, right.
0: And I was like, I said, said, you know what? The real issue is that I can do what you do. You can't do what I do. You Mm. can't get on the stage and make it and make it hot and make it and make it. And make people feel something. You know what I mean? Right, like right. um, you your work is it, it exists on the page and can't exist anywhere else. And I um and so then you know, we got to this whole debate about publishing and your work can't get published that way. And so then I went on this kind of this um, I, I challenged myself. I challenged myself to get published. This was around 2018. And so I hadn't been I hadn't been published. Well, I had a couple poems that um that came up in a couple of, um, you know, literary magazines. But they were, like, homies who had put together, uh, you know, an online literary magazine who, like, they was cool with me and they liked my poems. So they would, like, submit yeah. something and they just kind of put it up there, right? Um, but I hadn't done anything outside of that, that that I felt, like, really stood on its merit and not my connections. Mm. So 2018, I was like, okay, you know what? I'm going to get published 12 times this year, once okay. a month. And so uh, my friends and I was I was checking in with, cause we started a little group trying to all encourage each other to publish more. Uh, they were like, that's a lofty goal. You know what I mean? Some, you know, you're going to get a lot of rejections first, just be prepared. Da, da, da. Mm-hmm. And so look, the Virgo in me, the Virgo in me does research. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> when I put my mind on something, I ain't just going out there. I'm, I'm going to fall down this rabbit hole on Google and I'm going to learn all the things that I can. So, right. and, and I, and I, I got a, a ton of advice, and I listened to where people like, um, you know, where they had some successes, where they had some failures. Um, I, I read a lot. Um, I looked at a ton of different magazines and literary journals and anthologies, and trying to see like, okay, well, what is this, and 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 can I even do this? And um, and then I got on Submittable. I got on Submittable, and mm-hmm. I found everything everything that I wanted to apply to. <laughs> Excuse me. Everything that I wanted to apply to, uh, everything that I thought fit my my art, even some things that didn't, I just it was a numbers game. I just put out, I flooded the the I flooded the block. You know what I mean? Just slinging poems. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I ended up getting published uh 12 times uh by June.
1: Wow, look at you. Um, I set the goal. Meet the yeah, goal. Yeah. I set the goal it. and
0: and and I got there and um and I was like i did it you know what i mean like so and, and it was and it was like kind of proof to me that i could that i wasn't just a, a spoken word artist so mm-hmm. you know quote unquote or whatever that whatever that may mean right because at the end of the day i'm still a poet but i wasn't just a spoken word artist i am a am a writer and mm. i can i can exist in any space that i want to be in because i'm a writer and because i'm talented yeah so it was, it was confirming and i think we all need that at some point we all need a little validation sometimes Absolutely. um something that keeps us motivated
1: yeah, absolutely. I know like uh, this is not the first time on an episode of Beyond the Spark that this conversation has even come up because so often um, I think it was on uh, it was on the episode that I did. Oh, man. With Christian Collier, that's who it was. It was with Christian Collier and Christian was saying that all that happened was it became a distinction that you could put black and brown people into and so that's that's where it was and so by putting them in this distinction of being spoken word artists you took away the validation of them just right. being literary and right. was like but you don't make that distinction in visual art you don't say oh well you draw with pencils and you paint with brushes it's all art just like it's all poetry we're all poets right. and you try to make this distinction because it separates. And so um I, I love that you said that because that's breaking down that wall and taking away this this separation that a spoken word artist can't exist in these places. <laughs> that's dope. That's dope. Uh so you said a lot. You said that you started reading and all of that. So who are you reading? Like what kind of books are you reading right now or have you read and they've been your favorite?
0: Um, right now, it's whatever bedtime stories my son says we need to read. <laughs> that ends up being the majority. I, I am with my kids almost 24-7. So, like, it's oh, whatever man. whatever they're reading is what I'm, it's what I'm reading.
1: <laughs> so you got my son,
0: My son's pretty bedtime. astute, though. You know, he loves, he loves science. He loves um, action stuff. And so we read a lot of chapter books. And, we, you know, we read a lot of things about history and science. We just finished reading up on the science of King Tut's tomb and um we've been uh looking at like famous black scientists and um you know and then we'll read you know we'll occasionally read some fictional things i just bought him this black panther novel fan fiction thing um so we'll see if he if he's really into that i tried to try to just get him something outside of his wheelhouse because he'll 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 beat me in the head with facts and figures all day oh,
1: wow. um
0: so i was like well, let's let's read some <laughs> fun stuff buddy it's about some fictional things let's just switch it up <laughs> I like Um, it. I like it. But authors, um, some poets I've been reading um, have honestly been from my contemporaries. I haven't been reading any classic poetry in a in in a little while now. Um, So I've been reading a lot of Ebony Stewart, um, uh, Mecca Verdell, Angelique Palmer. Um, uh, I ordered um, Shakondria Sibley's book, but I haven't read it yet. Mm. Um. And I'm supposed to be ordering Tank's book, but I haven't read Tank's. You know, but I haven't got it yet. Um, but Black women been knocking it out the park. You mean, yes. like, I mean, ain't, like I ain't gonna lie, man. Black women been. Not, yo, Ebony Stewart's book, um, and and Mecca, Mecca's Mecca's book is fire, uh, and yeah. super inspirational. And so it's it's definitely put a battery in my back to like start creating and, and writing more. And then I just finished my my most recent manuscript, so I'll, I'll be trying to publish my fourth collection sometime next year.
1: Yes, awesome! I love it. Well, when you're starting to look at publishers, please look at the Fifth Woman Publishing because uh, we'd really love to uh, to collaborate with you on that project. Oh man! Okay, so this is the question that gets asked on every episode, and it's always right. interesting what a um, what a poet or artist has to say with this one. But if you could collaborate with anybody, dead or alive, who would it be and why?
0: Collaborate. Okay. So, oh man, I'm trying to, I don't want to overthink this. Um,
1: Go what you got. I'm telling you. That's what, what you have what, okay.
0: Really so, we, are we, what, what are we, are we creating? Like a, it's whatever. Are we you doing like a slam create. home? Like, what? it's,
1: it's whatever you want to create.
0: <laughs> oh man. Oh man. So open ended. <laughs> I
1: know. Oh, that's, that's the fun in it. That's the fun. I'm so open that's ended. And it's so hard to
0: narrow that down. Oh man. Um... Shucks, um, I think <laughs> that I would have, at, at some point, really liked to have created, particularly when I was still doing music, I would have liked to have collaborate with uh, with OutKast. Mm. Um, they were super inspirational for me coming up. Um, and so, I, you know, I, I would have loved to see what, what that would have turned into. Um, there the were room. storytellers, and I, I had an affinity for storytellers, um, and they were my truest, probably my truest introduction into Southern hip hop. Mm. Um, <clears throat> from a, from a, you know, from a, uh, an industry that's very that was that was past tense it's the nineties. Um, that was very New York dominated. Right. It was very New York and West Coast dominated. Um, and so there wasn't a lot of artists from the South getting a lot of play. Um, you know, I'm I'm a country boy through and through. And so um hearing, you know, outcast and goody mob and um, you know, ghetto boys and that kind of thing, you know, that was um that was what I needed. I needed I, you know, the the term is where I I felt seen, right? That's mm-hmm. where I felt that's where I felt seen.
1: Yeah. I I, I absolutely love outcasts and and you know the craziest thing is i ask this question on every episode i still don't know how i would answer it so that's why (laughs) it's fun it's fun hearing what people have to say you know some people go to music some people go to comedy some people go to tv it's it's funny it just shows the the many facets of our artistry that um that we can Find inspiration in so many different places.
0: It's like it's funny. Some sometimes it's like okay, well, especially like well, actually, I tell you what. Recently, it was. I think it was. It might have been earlier this year, and it might have been me and Black Chopper and a few other poets. But we were talking about artists that um, that aren't in uh slam, that aren't in you know, that aren't in spoken word, but would make good spoken word artists.
1: Okay, who'd you come up with? I gotta know. So. I gotta know.
0: So Andre 3000 is one of those people.
1: Of course. Of course. He's a poet
0: at, at heart, right? You, you can hear it in the writing. Yes. Um, George Carlin. For um, real? Yes. If you go back, okay. especially if you go back and look at some of Carlin's early work, he actually, he's writing poetry. He does a lot of juxtaposition. There's a lot mm. of wordplay happening. Yeah. And um, he even like in, in his earlier work, he's playing around with a lot of rhyme. Because he was he was creating these kind of larger bits that weren't really focused on like observational humor. It was just like it was more like storytelling. It was kind mm-hmm. of just sat for that. Um, um, <laughs> you know what? My 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 wife is going. She's gonna be she's gonna use this as like an <laughs> I told you so moment. <laughs> but uh, we were talking about artists who have really good writing who don't get enough credit for having a lot of good writing, and Mariah Carey.
1: Okay, I'm, I'm there writing with you on that one. I'm her writing is actually one. really good. I I, I
0: make a lot of Mariah Carey jokes because my wife is a huge fan, and I like teasing her. Oh, but, yeah. <laughs> um, but now Mariah she has Carey,
1: evidence that, that Yes,
0: now she has yeah. evidence that yes. I can see Mar- Mariah Carey has some that really good writing. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, yo, just artists who really who really delve into the the poetic side of um that genre whatever genre they're in where they're mm-hmm. using a lot of metaphor and they're um you know even some of the the rhyme schemes if they're in hip-hop or in in r or whatever are like multi-syllabic and um based kind of in imagery first before mm-hmm. it goes into the narrative um I I love that. Sonically I think it works, but I, from a, as a lyricist from a, lyricist, a lyricist's perspective, um I love it. I think Black Thought would make an amazing slam oh. poet, right? Mm-hmm. Lyrically he's just um I mean just ahead way ahead of his class. Uh and it's, it's filled with so much knowledge and he and he's able to tell a, a very fluid story mm-hmm. um without without missing a beat. And so I I love I love that. Um have you had think... the
1: opportunity to listen to Black Thoughts audiobook?
0: Oh, no, no, not yet. I just, I was just okay, to audience, the, the new
1: listen, album. listen, y'all. I have said this. This has got to be like the third episode in a row. So clearly, this audiobook is the truth. Go listen to Black Thoughts audiobook. It is only on audiobook, on Audible, but it is amazing. He talks about his life in these seven year increments and it is so dope and then he relates it back to his music so it's like a music and audio book project it's it's so dope so dope so dope like i said it's the third episode i have mentioned it on so you need to do two things one send black thought a message and tell him to listen to the podcast so he can hear how much i appreciate this book but then two you need to go listen to the book as well because it's worth it it's a it's a great read so that's dope yeah, man. but I, I um, I do believe that there's so many artists that we could probably weave into our spoken word world. But then there's also so many different ways that we can go. And when people start to realize that that talent, I think um blues is one of the people who has done that so well, just taking spoken word to so many different places. Yeah, and been able to be like you know at NASCAR. Okay, let's appreciate right. some spoken word and on the basketball court. Let's do you know some spoken word, and I absolutely love that. Amanda Gordon, of course, has been you know in front of football stadiums and and all of that. So I think that it's so amazing. Every writer can't do that, right? Every writer right. can't just say, okay, I'm gonna today gonna go stand in front of, uh, you know. Eighty thousand people, or hundred thousand people, and do some poetry, and it's gonna move everybody. Everybody can't do that, you know. So, right. I think that uh, spoken word makes people comfortable. It makes people comfortable with poetry, and they don't feel like it has yeah. to be so stuffy. So
0: yes, and so you know, and that's one of the reasons why I don't I don't shy away from the term spoken word poet. Um, I think that it, I think it does. Even if it was using a negative connotation to kind of put black and brown people in this box, mm-hmm. I think that <clears throat> um, I think just like I mean, just like we just like we do with with everything, because we're because um, black culture is pop culture. Um, we made it cool again. We made poetry cool. You know yes. what I mean? Like my I, I, I do. I'm a, I'm a teaching artist, and so I'm in front of a lot of kids. And when he, mm-hmm. when you tell them they're gonna do poetry they are, they give you that stank face. And they're like, ah, oh, man, come on, yo like, cause they, cause all they know is Poe and whatever. And, mm-hmm. and I'm like, nah, this is different. And then you perform for them and they hear it and they're like, Oh no, this is, this is something else. this is something different. Mm-hmm. Like I can, I can do this. I can get with this. I can, I can understand this. Uh, and so it makes it relatable. It makes it current. It makes it, um, you know, a little more palatable to a, a rising generation of people who have something to say yeah. and maybe didn't have the words or didn't have the the access or the knowledge that they could do it in a in a way that they hadn't you know hadn't done it before. Yeah. Um, and so it and it's become this you know it's become this this uh, this voice now, a spoken word you know for people who want to change politics, want to change policy, want to change their community because um, spoken word has always lent itself to social issues. Oh, yeah. so you know from the moment that you know they were like the revolution would not be televised right you know mm-hmm. what i mean like and and the and um you know him being the the godfather essentially of spoken word unofficially right but setting that tone where it's like no i have something to say and i want to i want to you know i'm not i'm not gonna i'm not gonna make it easy for you but i'm gonna make it sound good
1: oh yeah yeah it's it's the way to uh to make a little bit of ugly beautiful i love it yeah i agree yeah so um now I'm looking at you and I know I know y'all can't see this but behind him on this Zoom call he's got this dope uh picture of himself that came about from artificial intelligence. And you tried to start this conversation before we <laughs> even started the podcast so I had to you know I had to pause on it. But we're talking about like right now AI is doing everything, right? And, yeah. and starting to do art and you can go and type in all these words and it gives you brand new never before seen art in the style that you want and um it's even doing poetry so like what's your idea about artificial intelligent poetry
0: i hate it i hate <laughs> the idea of it in general i, I just think it's, i think i mean i'm such an old man though because like i i kind of I don't hate technology. I think it's necessary. But, you know, I also think that there's a there's a cap on, you know, how far tech can go. But, you know, maybe that's just a fear. You know, that's going that to be just a fear talking, you know, um, we
1: gonna end up in a movie because listen, in every movie, in every
0: movie where there's like a robot or like some type of like technological being and it becomes sentient and it starts thinking and it, and it always starts out, right? It always starts out like, oh, well, the, the robot can't hurt humans. It's programmed not to hurt humans. <laughs> and then the the, the robots are pre- like designed to protect the humans. But then, then it learns that humans are like the worst thing ever. And, then, and that they're the most dangerous things on the earth. And so then it tries to destroy all the humans to protect the humans or whatever and it is it's just all oh, it always it always rallies against us it never yeah. fails go watch like eagle eye and i robot <laughs> like it's they they always they always come for us and so i'm like man here we are we've seen all these movies but we still like give computers all of our information and we say the meanest <laughs> things to each other online where they can yes. all see how badly we treat each other and i'm mm. like they're gonna just know that we're disgusting people <laughs> we're just horrible and they need to get rid of us in order to save the planet
1: yeah <clears throat> hey you know the That's crazy my thing is yeah you know um and it's in every it's in every type of movie we watched uh mitchell's versus the machines i don't even know if oh yeah it's like yeah, a cartoon just... and it's still the same thing the cell phone like <laughs> takes over and sends all these robots to send people into <laughs> outer space like y'all can just get off the planet we're gonna get off the
0: planet when okay. they when the when the robots start looking around and seeing the pollution and the polar ice caps melting and 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 then there's a this trash island floating in the water like <laughs> oh, not the trash island there's a, there's an island sized yes. thing, thing of trash in yes. the in the pacific ocean
1: yes there is that's the that is the sad part about it all it's like you can't even really be mad at the robots in all these movies because they're not wrong it's just scary that they're <laughs> that right
0: <laughs> so we got to stop giving them all this information um,
1: yeah cuz they can do a lot now I know I, I was talking to my husband the other day, I was like, yo, they, I don't think I can let the computer write a poem for me. It's just, it's not the same. So that's kind of weird.
0: Once it, that thing starts realizing it, how to really put a poem together and that- I, and that, Do um, I lose
1: my job? Like, am
0: done, I gonna lose my right?
1: livelihood? <laughs> And if y'all can teach him to do that, can y'all teach him how to teach kids to solve equations? Because I seem to be failing.
0: <laughs> Once thing learns how to write a good
1: speech and it runs solved. for
0: president, we all in trouble. Oh,
1: that's it. That's it. Mm-hmm. We keep giving it more and more info. Man, okay. Yeah. So do you have anything right now that you're working on that you want to share with us? Any new pieces?
0: New pieces? Oh, man. Um, I've created some stuff recently um, that I've been trying to learn. and you know, I, um, you know, I'm not like some of my peers. Some of my peers, they they write often, and they got a new poem every other day. And I will be lucky if I crank out a couple of poems a year.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, um,
0: I am out here, you know, on on the struggle bus when it comes to that, but I'm also pulled in so many directions
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, that it's hard to just kind of sit down sometimes and just and just write and just be a creative. Yeah. so um so i have a couple new pieces that i um i, I created probably at the, around the beginning of this year middle of this year that i've been trying to fine-tune and um i recently finished the the manuscript and so i'm, I'm working on um you know proofreading and, and i'm gonna look for an editor soon and okay. so that kind of thing and so um so yeah so I, but i've been creating i've been creating this year which is good because last year I, I can't say that
1: <laughs> last year was <laughs> was a struggle
0: <laughs> last year was a struggle
1: <laughs> yeah I've, I've been getting um i've been getting back to writing a little bit more this year um i think it was more because i was bringing a team to southern fried and i was giving them all these challenges and i was like wait a minute i'm gonna be a good coach i can't give you the challenge and not do the challenge myself and right. so it was pushing me to write some some hard poems i wrote some some mm-hmm. poems that were like really bearing my soul and, and all of that during during this year. Uh, so that's that's where I'm at with, with my new Seth and I'll be performing it soon more. Nice. But it's hard for me to memorize now. Like I'm I'm too old for that.
0: Yo, that's a man, I felt so bad so, like let me let me just publicly apologize to my slam team from this <laughs> from this year. <laughs> we did pretty well, but when I tell you, I struggled in every single one of these group pieces. Man, I I think I messed. I think I botched every single group piece that we were in. Even when we were on stage, I flubbed oh, a line.
1: Wow. Well, nobody knew.
0: I, I, I mean, yeah, we made it through. We yeah, we pushed through it. it. Uh, but man, I just, I don't have it. It just ain't sticking the way that it used to stick.
1: <laughs> it's not, it's
0: not. <laughs> it ain't sticking the way that it used to stick. Uh, yeah, some of that like, is because I don't sleep. <laughs> <laughs> they say you're short time with memory. all your
1: babies. With all nah, your
0: babies. I, yeah. It ain't no sleep happening around here. Nah, especially not since, uh, the baby was born in the end of August. So especially since the end of August, ain't no sleep happening around these parts.
1: Right. So you have yeah. anything you want to share with us?
0: Oh uh, yeah, I'll do I'll do a piece real quick. Um, <clears throat> uh, all right, let's, This is um, this is probably the newest. This is probably the newest piece, and I've been I've been memorizing it. I've been trying to memorize it. So we're gonna um, we'll do the we'll do the latest one. <clears throat> um, do I need to preface it? I need to give it a title or whatever. No, I can just, just jump right do, in. Just do you. Do you? All right, let's do it. All right, here we go. The sun beats down on what whiteness calls a wasteland. Steam resurrects from city streets in waves of heat. Sweat leaks from the skin, smells like soda, smells like lemonade, but the kind that doesn't contain any actual lemons, like uh, like water full of lead poisoning, like a, like a Flint Michigan faucet. Would be the perfect summer though for an orange slice All organic, cold cucumbers cut into coins, but no one can buy that here. Because ain't no whole foods in the hood. Too impoverished to bite the hand that feeds them, the people here are the first to get secondhand food. Boxes with ingredients longer than the list of American atrocities, they get meat that is met with expiration before it meets customers. Vegetables soaked in salty cans that used to be bullets, used to be shackles, shoot, you can still taste the racism in these cotton-picking greens because ain't no whole foods in the hood. The trek across a city for organic food might as well be a Sahara where the sun and the prices rise but the income doesn't. The climate here. Produces no fruit. Heart disease sits upon the stoop, passed down from their parents and poverty because ain't no whole foods in the hood. No herbs and whole grain, only profiling and pain, and no hospitals cr- close enough to treat either one. And it's all by design. Seeing war. They cut off the enemy's food supply so the enemy starves. This ain't just food deserts. This desert storm. This a war on health. Trying to bury us in our own bodies, but we've always been seeds. They try to turn that soil into concrete, but this black still ain't cracked. the people here. We know how to grow survival because ain't no whole foods in the hood. They put us in food deserts and asked how we beat cactus, how we make all that success out of sand. Took your God forsaken groceries and made ourselves immortal. I mean, we had to, y'all, because ain't no Whole Foods in the hood.
1: Wow. Everybody, Roscoe Bernos. Yes. Thanks. All right. Oh, man, I, there was so much good stuff in there, but I, I really love how, um, one, the repetition of that, just ain't no Whole Foods, because yeah. there, there, there isn't none in, in the hood. I love um, the way uh, your vernacular comes into that, how we be cactus. Um, yeah. I always think that is so awesome, the way that we say things, and so that vernacular comes in and makes it so true um I, I love the smells like lemonade but don't have any lemons that takes me back to that chick-fil-a video yeah
0: Yo, you know that look you know that minute Maid is the old thing we had growing up you know what i'm saying or that country time lemonade oh mm. yeah <laughs> ain't no like lemons lemonade, ain't
1: but no smell
0: lemonade. like lemonade but ain't no <laughs> lemons in that <laughs> job <jump. laughs>
1: so i love it i love it That was fantastic right, so, is, that in, so is that in your new book
0: yes that will be that will be featured in, in the new book
1: awesome.
0: um and so, look, to, to, to talk about the, um, like, African-American vernacular English, right, um, the ubiquitous be uh, in, in how we, you know, in, you know, how we say things, or, you know, he, he be doing this, he be doing, mm-hmm. she be doing that. Uh, they did this, like, study, right, with um, some students, white and black, and they showed them this picture. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to make sure I don't butcher the story, but they, um, They show show these students these pictures, white and black students in there. And um, the picture is Elmo. uh, Elmo is in bed. And um, and he's in bed sick. And then Cookie Monster is like right next to him, right? And he's bringing Elmo like a a plate of cookies and whatever, whatever. So um, and then in the picture, Elmo is eating one of the cookies. So they ask, who is eating cookies? And And the white kids answer, Elmo is eating a cookie, right? the black kids also answer elmo was eating a cookie. Mm-hmm. And the teacher says, "Who be eating cookies?" And so the white kids are like, "What?" like, "Huh?" And then some of them <laughs> say Elmo or whatever because that's what's happening in the picture. But the black kids are like cookie monster.
1: He always because be cookie monster
0: cookies. be eating cookies all the time. Yeah. <laughs> right. So like the 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 innate understanding Mm-hmm. Of of the difference and how we and like how we say things and how we've kind of developed how we've kind of like manipulated the the king's English mm-hmm. um, to fit you know to fit who we are our personality our swag or whatever um, and then to have this innate understanding amongst each other um, and what that means based on the inflection the tone and, and slight change in and phrasing and the ubiquitous be is something that comes up all the time because it's like even if a person isn't cooking if you be like yo he be cooking. You know he's a good cook. He's a good right. chef, right? right? It doesn't even if you know if that's not happening currently. Like we we've, we've taken something with the language and done something completely different with it. Yeah, um, and that's just something that like speaks to like the art that exists in our culture, um, and how we're able to like kind of change and 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 recreate and and reclaim um, and and make it our own. It's it's fantastic.
1: I always, anytime I have this conversation, it takes me to uh, you know. Like I guess it's probably like middle school when Class Act came out and that, yeah. <laughs> the scene in Class Act where he's trying to explain that, that B and he's like, wait a minute. So uh, you know, I have to take the preposition and he's trying to trying to make sense of it, but he can't. And I just I love <laughs> it. I love it. Like he just he can't make sense of it. It's it's what we be doing. Right. <laughs> so I love it. I love it. So um so let's see what is going on right now. How can people follow you? How can they keep up with what you're doing? And how can they support you?
0: Okay, so they can follow me um, anywhere but home, <laughs> uh, and, and uh, all my social media is pretty much the same. So it's um, Roscoe Burnham's, which is R O S C O E B U R. N E M S. So it's it's Roscoe Burnham's on all social media, Instagram, Facebook, whatever is left of Twitter, um, since Elon Musk has taken over. Um, and then, uh, and yeah, so and they and if they look that up, they can find my books online. Um, I have uh, one discontinued collection, but two collections that are currently available. <clears throat> Um, that is Christmas Under Fire, uh, which is a self-published um, project, and then um, shouts out to 310 Brown Street Publishing. They published my third collection, uh, which is called God, Love, Death, and Other Synonyms and then they can also find me on their tv screen if they want to see me perform because i have a show streaming on amazon and tubi and um uh, a few other platforms it's called Traumedy. it's like trauma and comedy smashed together and so it's a poetry and comedy special it is the first of its kind um and has not been uh, uh duplicated uh, so if people want to see an amazing experience where you'll laugh and you'll cry and you'll cry and you'll laugh, um, then they should watch tromedy on, on whatever streaming platform that is available on.
1: Cool. cool. Okay. So, um, it just made me think about this. Where did the Roscoe Burnhams come from?
0: Oh man, that's always, that's always the question, right? So like, um, the shortest answer is that Roscoe was a nickname. Um, it's kind of started as an inside joke, uh, between me and, and this friend, and then she started calling me that on a regular basis and it kind of stuck. And then uh, at the time, uh, I, I, I wanted this like kind of, you know, alter ego kind of different moniker uh, when I was performing um, aside from my real name. So uh, I was still rapping. I wanted something that sounded hot. Um, and so I threw Burnham's at the end. I thought it sounded cool. And, uh, <laughs> and it, and that stuck too. And so, you know, even when I tried to shake the, the whole stage name thing, people wouldn't let me let me do it. So I am Roscoe now. So and so now I, I, I purposely, especially when I publish, I purposely tell people it's Douglas Powell slash Roscoe Burnham's, please say the slash. <laughs>
1: That's right. I like like a pimp link, like a pimp name slick back.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you got to say it. You got to say the whole thing. thing.
1: (laughs) Got it. Cool beans. So thank you so much, Roscoe or Douglas Powell slash Roscoe Burnham's for hanging out (laughs) with me and uh, sharing a little piece of yourself with the people. Uh, I always have a good time. Anytime we talk, you have a wealth of knowledge and you are definitely a gem to the poetry community. Keep going, keep doing what you do. And uh... the feeling
0: is is very mutual. I'll tell you. So, I, you know, I heard your name and i had seen you. We had met, you know, a few times in passing, but I had never really seen you like really perform until the um, Let the Laureates Tell It event that we did in Charlotte. And I watched that set and I'm like, yo, she is killing it right now. (laughs) Like, yo, you're a beast. You're such a beast. And your set was so fluid, it was so good.
1: Thank you, thank you so much. Yeah, I came home and I was like, "Well, in typical Roscoe fashion, we all had 15 minutes, and this <laughs> brother took 20."
0: <laughs> I did. I, I have I, had, I have a poor clock when it comes to that. I'm getting better with it, but man, trying to like trying to shorten that to 15 minutes, I was I'd be struggling up there, and so I always need somebody to like. Hit me with a light or something, you know what I mean? Like yeah. um, just to kind of keep me on my toes, man. But damn, yo, I am I'm am I'm, I'm a little long-winded. Um <laughs> and I and I love the crowd, and that's a bad, that's a bad mixture when that's you on the track. That's a bad, yeah, that's a bad Maybe you should
1: have been a preacher.
0: yes my, <laughs> my, my, my mama. My mama said the same thing.
1: <laughs> preacher problems. Yeah, man. No. I don't I don't honestly know how I got such just like a right on clock on on time clock to know when to cut a piece or whatever, it might just be, you know, like I said, I've been doing this for almost 23 years.
0: Right.
1: Um, because I know last night I did a show and it went 14 minutes and 13 seconds, I think, and I had 15 minutes. Oh, so, like yeah, you on I, I was like right on time. And and you know, and I had more poems set in my head to do, but I could just feel that I was right. you know, that the time was going and I was like, okay, well, we're not gonna do that poem, y'all. We're gonna do this one. So I don't know, I don't know where that comes from. Maybe it's just the internal clock. Pretty good. But I always love hearing you do poems and I appreciate I can't it. wait for you to come to Knoxville, everybody. Roscoe, will yeah. be in Knoxville with the rest of the Southern Fried family June 7th through the 11th of 2023. So get your tickets as soon as they go on sale so you can see all of the awesome poets that will be here. I can't wait to see you again. And uh, is there anything else you need to say?
0: Um, no, I'm excited. I've never been to Knoxville before, so this will be a first for me. And so I'm looking forward to seeing everybody. And um, uh, and then thank you for having me on the on the podcast. I appreciate it.
1: Yeah. We'll see you later. Word. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Beyond the Spark podcast. Remember to follow Raya Sunshine Poetry on social media, and please subscribe to the podcast so you can be notified when another episode is dropped. Again, thanks for tuning in, and we will see you next time when we go Beyond the Spark.